My name is Brandon, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm typically over at Marathon, and uh, about seven years ago, my wife and I, we helped start Ethos, and we moved over to Marathon, and man, but it's so special just getting to be in this place, getting to worship with you, just think about all the cool things that God's done in this space, and many of you guys I don't know, never seen before, but I'm, I'm thankful to, to get to be here today. Um, we're going to be in Matthew 13, if... You want to turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to get up and grab one from the bar. If you're using one of our Bibles, it's on page 666. And, you know, we're going to redeem that number today. It's not where we want to be, but it's just kind of where we are. And so, you know, Matthew 13. Hey, a couple announcements, and, uh, and we'll jump in the time of teaching. So we are in the, the very middle of a season that we call Awaken. It's our, our season of prayer and fasting as a church family. And so every year we take the month of February to, to set some things aside um, for the purpose of really setting our hearts more fully on the Lord. And so, um, you know, if, if, if you are new here with us today and you're like, man, I want to be a part of that, jump in with us. Or if you're a part of our church and you go, man, the past week or two weeks have not gone the way that I'd hoped, it is, it is okay. Just start afresh today. And so there are a couple things I want to invite you into if you want to jump in with us in this season. And the, on, on the way out, you're going to find one of these guides and just take this home with it. Put it in your Bible. Um, every day we're reading through a psalm and then we're reading through just a couple of verses in the Sermon on the Mount and the New Testament and, and invite you to, to read with us. Just put yourself in a place to hear the scriptures. Um, second thing, um, every morning at 6.30 and every night at 9 p.m. we have prayer calls. And, and, and we do this as a way of starting our day and ending our day together. And so led by different people on staff and our different elders. And the whole purpose is to just give us a place to communally pray, that there's something that happens. And, and I've just really sensed in this season that, that God wants us to pray individually, but what God really wants to do is he wants to pour something out when we're praying communally. And so I encourage you, if you're a morning person, hop on that morning call. If you're a night person, man, hop on that night call. Jump in with us. There's something about listening to your brothers and sisters pray or even praying yourself that just, it, it helps us as a church family um, connect more deeply with our Heavenly Father. And so prayer calls. A third, um, we have on Thursday up at our office, our office is located at 2301 8th Avenue South, right across from Hattie B's on 8th Avenue. And from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., we're going to have prayer stations set up all day at our, at our church office. And so stop by anytime. If you can come for 30 minutes or an hour, we've set up these different stations all around the room for the purpose of just kind of helping you and helping your heart engage with the Lord. And so if you come here this morning, you're like, man, I'm just having a hard time praying. I'm having a hard time connecting with the Lord. Come on Thursday. Anytime between 8 a.m., 8 p.m., and, and just go through the different stations. They're, all, they're geared towards helping us connect with the Lord. And so I invite you to come. This is for kids on up to the oldest of oldest in our church family, and I would love to have you. I mean, then finally, on February 27th at 5 p.m. here at the Canary, we're going to have a time of worship and prayer and baptisms as we wrap up the awakened season. And so I've just been praying, asking God, hey, would you draw people to yourself? And I encourage you to, to start praying that with me as we look forward to this day. As a church family, we're going to fill up this big trough of water and give people who want to take that step with the Lord a chance to get baptized. And so I encourage you, if you want to get baptized, there's a, a card in your seat. Fill that out. Drop it in one of the white mailboxes on the way out. Someone from our ministry team will connect with you. And for the rest of you, just in, I, I invite you to Mark that on your calendar. And I know that we typically gather in the mornings, but come back that night. Come and worship with us. Celebrate. All right. You guys doing okay today? Good. I'm glad to hear that. I want to I read our text this morning, and then we're going to pray, and we'll jump in. So Matthew 13, starting in verse 10, 
666, if you're using one of our Bibles. This is a word of the Lord. The disciples came to Jesus and they asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, that you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And so, Lord, man, as we, just, as we come into this time of really just letting your word take priority, letting things that you've spoken, Jesus, I pray that, that we would literally just encounter you this morning. And, and that you would stoke the affections of our heart. God, for those whose hearts are calloused right now, and, and would you soften them? And for eyes and ears that are closed, would you open them, Lord? And God, would you help us to see you this morning? Would you help us to feel you, to feel your nearness and your love? And God, would you speak to every single person here today? And God, so speak. We're listening. We love you. Your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever noticed how you, you tend to see what you're looking for in life? Um, I got to drive Dave. Dave's one of the teaching pastors here at, at Cannery. Last summer, he let me borrow his Jeep. And so you know, it's a stick shift. And I was wanting to learn how to drive a stick better. I'm not very good at driving it. And so I'm like, man, it'll be fun to learn how to drive a stick. You know, you can take the top off. My kids will have a blast running around town. And, and so, you know, one of the things that I realized as I was driving a Jeep is that there's this kind of Jeep culture that exists. And, and here's the Jeep culture. If you drive a Jeep, you wave at other people who drive Jeeps. And if you don't drive a Jeep, you don't wave at anybody else. And so, you know, I'm driving this Jeep and just realizing, man, how many people are waving at me? How many people are being nice and honking? And, and, and I started to try to wave at other people and they just don't catch on to it. And so, you know, it, it just, it's crazy how many Jeeps are in the city. Like you start to see them, <laughs> you see them when you're looking for them. On a side note, I've tried to start this movement among Camrys that anytime I see a Camry, like waving at them. And so it hasn't quite caught on the same way. So if you drive a Camry, you know, someone who drives a Camry, pass it along, we'll, over, we'll overthrow the Jeep thing. And so, you know, but you, you see what you're looking for. Um, my daughter's in third grade and I coach her third and fourth grade basketball team. And a couple weeks ago we had a game and and as the game got started, right off the, you know, right as the game got started, there were like two jump balls pretty instantly. And so I looked at my wife and I'm like, hey, will you just count how many different like jump balls there are in this game? Like just keep a tally mark. And so, you know, she did that. We get to the end of the game. Any, any guesses how many jump balls there were that game? Anybody? Two? Anybody else? Ten? Anybody else? Please, just someone, just so I had a number. 
25, there you go, good job. There were 44. <laughs> 44 jump balls in 32 minutes, so. And, and it was crazy, it's like, are we playing basketball or are we just playing like hug the ball? Like the, the whole game is like all you can see, jump ball after jump ball, you tend to see what you're looking for. And, and, and the same is true with the Lord. You ever notice that, that in moments when you're looking for God more intently, you just see him more often? Give me an amen if you resonate with that. That's one of the things that I love most about this season that we're in, of this, this awakened season, this season of prayer and fasting, is that there's this, this heightened sense of looking for the Lord. This heightened expectation that the Lord is, is doing something. When, you're, when you're, you, you see what you're looking for, when you're looking for the Lord, you tend to see him more often. I noticed this in, in my life this past week on one of the prayer calls. See my sister sitting over here, Bailey, Teeter, her and her husband, Ryan, are a part of the church family. And, and she was praying one morning and she said something along the lines of this. She said, this year, my goal is to, is to think about the glory and the beauty and the holiness of the Lord more, to, to put my eyes and my mind more like specifically on who he is. And there was something about that moment that just deeply resonated in my heart that the Lord was stirring something in me. You know those moments in life where, where you're just kind of arrested. It, it honestly just kind of stops you in your tracks. And, and we have these moments as followers of Jesus, but what happens so often is that we just, you know, we have one of these moments, but we just move right back into the rhythms of life and we miss it. But there was something about this, this season, this moment, I'm looking for the Lord where the Lord goes, Brandon, pay attention to what she is saying. Think about my holiness, my glory, and my beauty. It was the Lord lifting my eyes in that moment. And so a little context, you and I had started this awakened season with this real desire this year. You know, in years past, I've, I've really concentrated on the fasting aspect of it. That, that's kind of what's driven my mind and my attention. And, and for whatever reason, this year, the Lord was going, hey, I want you to participate in that, but I want you to think not just about what you're giving up, but I want you to think about how you're filling up on me. How are you setting aside more time to dwell in my presence and to enjoy me? And, and I kid you not, a week into this fast, I felt like my, my desires were pure. And then something just shifted where, where I found myself evaluating how my fast was going and how much time I was spending in the presence of the Lord more than I was just enjoying the Lord. And the Lord was going, Brandon, lift up your eyes. We see what it is that we're looking for. <clears throat> But I also want to say this, just because we don't see something doesn't mean it's not there. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means we missed it. We might not be seeing it. A week and a half ago, I got to take my oldest kids up to Lexington, Kentucky. I'm from Kentucky, big Wildcats fan. And yeah, there we go. <clears throat> and I took my, my two oldest kids. They'd never been to Rep Arena before. And, and so we get there and, you know, like, it's such a fun game to watch. And my kids both play basketball. And so the whole time I'm just like coaching my kids like, oh, did you see what their point guard did? Like, that's what I want you to do. You know, on, on Saturday when you're playing, I want you to, to fake them like that and then go this way. And I'm like, hey, did you see that? And they're like, no, dad, but my ice cream's delicious. You know, and like, and, and we do this, that, that things are happening in front of us all the time and we just miss it. And so, you know, I, I love if you're with us last week, Pastor Mo preached such a good word. And, and the whole heart behind what Mo was saying is do not miss out on, on intimacy with Jesus in this season. 
that, that this season is, is an open door for, for you to take a step into knowing God's heart, into knowing his voice, into knowing his love, into being close with the Father. And Mo was just going, don't miss out on this. And last week, if, if we were talking about intimacy with Jesus, the, the heartbeat of what we're going after for this morning is, Lord, would you awaken us to see? God, would you help us to see what you're doing? <clears throat> Would you help us to see what you're doing all around us? God, would you help us to see what the enemy is doing and how he's trying to rob me and my friends and my family of life? God, would you help me to see? And so Brent, one of our elders, came up to me before he was praying over me. He says, what do you, what do you want for today, like in preaching? And I'm going, man, I want us to see. I, I want to see. I want to see the Lord more clearly. I want us to see him more clearly. And so the part of scripture that we're going to be in <clears throat> this morning, Matthew 13, it is way more of a conversation than it is a story. Um, it's a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. See, a crowd had just formed earlier and in typical Jesus fashion. Jesus teaches the crowds and the disciples, though, they recognize that, that in this teaching, there was something different. Um, that he didn't speak clearly. He didn't speak literally. He didn't give them the famous one-liners that we've been reading through as a church family. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called children of God. And, and I tell you, love your enemies and pray for them and, and give to the, to the needy in, in, in secret so no one else will see it. And, and, and so often the, the, the disciples, they would listen to Jesus' teaching and he was teaching practical you know, easy to understand, but there was something about this teaching in Matthew 13 where something started to shift. And the disciples picked up on that. It wasn't the easily understandable imperatives that they'd been accustomed to hearing from Jesus. No, he taught a parable this day. A story that required the audience to wrestle with the meaning and implications. The understanding, um, figuring out what, what it meant didn't come easy. And so Jesus, he, he, he sees this crowd and, and he shifts strategy and, and he teaches a parable. And, and this is what verse 10 says. We're just gonna walk through this first five verses, these few verses this morning. The disciples came to Jesus and they asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And Jesus replied, verse 11, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they'll have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Whoa. What do we do with that? Anybody else think that sounds a little harsh? <laughs> a little unfair? You know, if, if we stop right here, we could easily make some conclusions about Jesus that are really kind of hard to reconcile. And, and what I've learned is that so often, I think this is actually what happens, is what we do. And, and we'll, we'll open the scripture and we'll read something. We don't like what it says or we don't understand it, so we shut our Bible and we get frustrated to God. And if we stop right here, we, we miss out on the, the thing that he says next, the thing that actually puts all of his words here in context. I go, you think about it like this. Have you ever left a concert or a ball game or a, a movie early because you like knew how it ended? 
only to find out later that, that it, it turned out way differently than you anticipated. And it's that same spirit that is happening right here, that, that Jesus is helping the disciples understand that there is a difference between a disciple of Jesus and the crowds that just gathered around him. There's, there's a difference in what disciples of Jesus do with his teaching and what the crowds do with his teaching. There's a difference ultimately in what the disciples believe to be true about Jesus and what the crowds believe. Jesus says this to his disciples, and I love this. Listen to this language. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. The knowledge of the secrets. You know, you think about a secret, you know, not a gossipy, slanderous, hurtful secret, but a good secret. Man, isn't it, it's fun to be let in on a good secret. Um, a few years ago, a friend of ours was throwing a surprise party <laughs> for her husband. And, and, and man, just being around the husband and going, man, it's like, you have no clue that this is fun. This is coming. You have no idea how much blessing's about to come your way. And, and there's something fun about being let in on a secret. And I love this because Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I want to let you in on the secret. He says, I want you to see what God's doing in the world. I don't want you to be in the dark. I want you to, to know what God's doing. I want you to know his plans and his activity. And I, and I love this. God's not hiding it from you. He, he shares the secret of his activity because he wants you to see it. He wants you to see what he's doing. He wants you to be involved in it. And, and we're tempted, I think, because we have such good hearts. Man, we care so much about fairness and justice. We're tempted to go, yeah, Jesus, but... That's cool that the disciples give, but what about the crowd? Why are you hiding it from them? And what about that line, whoever has will be given more, whoever doesn't have, it's gonna be taken from them. What about that? Don't leave the game early. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that you will be ever hearing but never understanding, you'll be ever seeing but never perceiving, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. And, and here it is, guys. The, the difference in the disciples and the crowd is the disciples wanted to see and the crowds didn't. It's, it's a choice. Man, we, we've been given agency by, by the Lord. We've been given free will, the right to choose. You go, choose what? Man, to choose what we will do with Jesus. Will we be a disciple of Jesus? Or will we be content being a part of the crowd? You know, I was really wrestling with this this week, that, that no one can make you choose Jesus. Not your best friend, not your house church leader, not your parents. You can't make your, your best friend who's so far from the Lord choose Jesus. But here's the thing. Every single one of us, we must make a choice of what we do with Jesus. And if we, if we don't make a choice, we're actually making a choice. <laughs> what I love about Jesus is that, 
that he will never force his way into our lives. And some of you are, are going, man, if, if the Lord was real, he would just come and get my attention. That's not the way things work in the kingdom. And sometimes the Lord does that because he's incredibly gracious. But the way of Jesus is Revelation 3. I stand at the door and knock. And anyone who will let me in, I'll come in and eat with them. It's not I stand at the door and you give me two knocks and then I'm going to knock it down. I'm going to get your attention whether you like it or not. I'm going to be in relationship with you whether you like it or not. That is, that is not love. That is forced. Jesus says, if you'll open the door of your heart, I'll come in. You have to choose it. You see, it's a, it's a hard choice that each of us has to make. What will we do with Jesus? What have you done with him? You know, there are, are some big claims that have been made about Jesus. That he's the son of the living God. He's the, the long-awaited Messiah from the, the Jewish people. That he's the one who on the cross took away the sin of the world. He, he, he rose from the dead. That, that through Jesus we are brought into the family of the Father. That one day we can't see Jesus right now, but he is going to return on the clouds. And every eye will see him and, and he will judge the enemy, Satan, punishing him forever. That, that he will push away from him those who want nothing to do with him. He's ultimately going to give people exactly what they want. If you don't want Jesus, he's going to give you that. But for those who do want him, who want to, to, to know his goodness, who want to know his heart, to want, who want to know what kind of a God would lay down his life, who would get low, who would die on the cross to save his people. And he says that the people who want me are going to get me forever. And there's some big claims that are made about Jesus. And we have a couple of options. You know, we can either dismiss those words. Oh, that's nonsense, Brandon. Coming on the clouds, what? How does, how does his death pay for our sins? And, and, and we can hear those words and just excuse them as nonsense. Maybe you're going, man, it, this just sounds like every other world religion. And that's actually not true. The, the movement of Jesus is actually very different than every other world religion. Um, in no other world religion does God come down. Does God come low, take on flesh, die for the sins of his people? No, in every other world religion, it's about you coming up to, to God and his level. It's about your performance. It's about your perfection. It's about, and, and the way of Jesus is believe and receive. Yeah, you've messed up your life. I forgive you. You're my child. What? Every other world religion is about performing, you know, the, 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 the movement of Islam. You, you, you pull back the curtains and you look at Islam and you realize, man, it's, it's about your performance. That Ramadan, 40 days of prayer and fasting is a, is a requirement to be a part of. It's part of what it means to be Islam. You know, we're stepping into this season and it's not like in the Bible, you have to do this to be a follower of Jesus. No, you step into it. It's, it's way different. You know, in Islam, you, 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 once in your life, you're, you're required to go to make the trip to the Middle East, Mecca. In Islam, you're required to, to give gifts to the poor. And, you, and, and what you see when you put these side by side is that, man, on the surface, they might look similar, but the heartbeat is so unbelievably different. 
It's about you understanding that you are included in the family of God before you've ever done anything for God. And from that place of receiving, man, man, you, you conform to the way of Jesus because it's the best way to live. And we each have to make the choice. That's what I love about Jesus. In this moment, he's speaking to disciples and the crowds, and he says, disciples, you've chosen me. And the crowds have not. You see, the, the crowd and the disciple, they were both listening to the teaching of Jesus that day. And one group, the disciples, they moved closer to Jesus for clarity and discernment. And one group was just content to hear a good story. See, the crowds were marked by, by being okay taking from Jesus. Wait, there's free lunch. Jesus is feeding the 5,000. I'll take free lunch. I'll, I'll, I'll take from you, Jesus. They were content to, to be entertained. Who wouldn't want to see someone perform miracles? To the crowds, Jesus was a spectacle. But to the, but to the disciples, he was so much more than a spectacle. He's the one that was and is and is to come. It says that the crowd, Jesus says, they've closed their eyes. What does that mean in our context? How do you know when your, your, your eyes are closed to the Lord? You know, I think it, it, it means that, man, you, you hear the truth about Jesus. You feel the pull of the Holy Spirit to surrender your life, to be saved, to follow him, but... You go, nah, I just, I want to keep living the way that I'm living. I think that's closing your eyes. I think closing our eyes is, is opening up the scripture and we read something and we don't like what it says. And so we go, I'm not going to obey that. Like, this is just all about grace and love and forgiveness. I don't have to actually put those words into practice. I think that is closing your eyes. Closing our eyes is, is refusing to see the truth about who Jesus is. Refusing to admit that we're imperfect people in need of a savior. The crowd was content to be entertained by Jesus. And I think this is important because Jesus really emphasizes this. He says, they have closed their eyes. It's a choice they made. And if you come here today and, 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 and your heart is hard and, and you can't see the Lord, you gotta know it's a choice that you are making. And my encouragement to you this morning is if you come here and you go, man, I am spiritually blind. I don't know Jesus. More than anything, the Lord wants to open your eyes. Oh, that you would just turn to him. Did you hear the, the, the beauty in verse 15? Jesus looks at the crowd and he says, they've closed their eyes. And he says, but if you would just turn to me, Repentance, turning from the life and the way that you are living to a new life. Jesus says, if you would just turn, I would heal you. To the crowd, if you're a part of the crowd this morning, if that's where you find yourself this morning, he says, hey, turn. Turn to me. Receive me. Believe that, that though you can't see me, I am real. And that the things that are, are, are prophesied in scripture will come to pass. That I am God, I do hear your prayers, and I am close to you. 
and I hold you up in seasons of heartache and pain and, 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 and I'm near you when you're struggling and I'll comfort you when you're weak and I'll give you supernatural power. I'll sustain you when you fast. I'll help you see me all around you. I will bubble up inside of you and help you live for, for me and for my plans and for your glory and what now seems like a burden will become a blessing if you would just turn. And I love this. Jesus looks at the, his disciples and they're going, why do you speak in parables? And he says, those seen they don't see. They've closed their hearts. And he looks at his disciples and he says, but you. He says, blessed are your eyes because they see. My friends, fellow followers of Jesus, receive those words. Blessed are your eyes because they see. I love that Jesus says, many prophets and righteous people long to see your day. They long to see the Messiah and I am here and it is a blessing because you are perceiving things accurately. You're not being deceived. You're, you're right in the will of God. See the disciples, man, they, they laid their lives and their plans and their agendas down to be Jesus' disciples. And to, to be with him. They, they value Jesus. And they love Jesus. And they listen to Jesus. And they, and they turn to him with their questions. And they let their lives be open to his molding, to be shaped and formed. They lived for Jesus. Their lives were about him. See, the disciples had just like so many of us, they, they tried living life their own way. You know, we all set out to do that. Like, we, we want to be autonomous. We want to be independent. We, we think that we know what's best, and so we take our life into our hands, and we just, we don't give any account to the Lord. We don't let our lives be shaped, and we, and we, and we live however we want. And what happens? See, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, what we realize is that is a dead-end road. Yeah, there's, there's seasons and moments of fun and joy, but there is a deeper part of us that is dead. And that there's actually a lightness and a joy and a hope that comes when we surrender our plans, when we let go of the grip, we've got to figure it out and hold on to our lives that when we come to Jesus and we say, we've got this life. And the world tells us that we have this one life to live. So I'm just going to live as much as I can for myself. But as followers of Jesus, we go, man, we got this life. Lord, use it however you want for your glory. Your way is best. You know all things. You have all the resources in the world. Your perspective is different than ours. You are trustworthy. And we put our lives in your hands. Here in just a minute, we're going to take communion. And in communion, we're going to have a couple of different things that we're going to do. The first thing that I'm going to encourage us to do in, as we're taking communion is, is to really just ask the Lord privately, you know, by yourself, just ask the Lord, God, is there anything that's keeping me from seeing you right now? You know, for, for some of you, you can't see the Lord because you're like the crowd. You've not made the commitment to be a disciple. And so the Lord might be inviting you today to give your life to him. The reason you can't see is because you're not his. 
Um, some of you, man, maybe you, you, you realize that you are a follower of Jesus, but you can't see right now. You're having a hard time seeing the Lord. Having a hard time hearing his voice. And, and for some of you, maybe it's because of, of sin. Man, you, you've, been, you've been living in sin. You've been going your own way. You've just been this rebellious child. And, and I love the, the picture in scriptures. Hey, Repent. And so the Lord might show you, he might remind you of some sin that you're living in right now that's keeping you from seeing others of you. Man, maybe the reason you're not seeing well is because you've been deceived by the enemy. And you're overrun right now with anxiety and fear. You're trying to get the Lord to follow you instead of following him. And the reason you can't see him is because you're going in two different directions. Repent. And some, maybe you come this morning and, and it's not sin and it's not that you've been deceived by the enemy. You, you can't see the Lord. And, and, and it's just because we live in a world where it is hard to see the Lord. So many distractions. So much busyness. And we haven't learned to prioritize the best things. We haven't learned to sit in the presence of the Lord. And so we set out to, to be with the Lord. We set aside time to be with the Lord and then something else comes along and we just take it every time. And this morning, if, if you come here and you go, man, I, I'm not seeing as well as I want to see. There's such good news. You know, one of the coolest stories in the Bible is in Mark chapter eight. It's this moment where this man is blind and and Jesus finds out about this man and he, and he takes this man outside the village and it says that, that Jesus touches the man's eyes and Jesus says, hey, can you see? And I'm paraphrasing. And the guy says, I can kind of see. Everything looks like it's blurry. It's like I'm seeing trees. And I love the next thing that Jesus does. He doesn't say, you know what? You couldn't see, now you can see blurry. Go on your way. <laughs> Jesus reaches out again a second time, puts his hands on him. And the man goes, I can see. <laughs> For the first time, I can see. And, and my encouragement to us this morning is if you come here and, and you need to be touched by God, you need God to touch your eyes. He is willing and able and ready for a second touch or a third touch or a hundredth touch, or a thousandth touch. And I know if you're like me, sometimes you're like, God, I've asked you so many times. I'm so sorry. And God's like, no, just come. <laughs> Let me help you. You know, we, we let the Lord help us see again. Literally, it's just asking him, God, I'm not content. I want to see more. And I love that because Jesus says, the one who has is going to be given more. More what? <laughs> yeah more seeing the Lord at work, more power, more hope, more love, more activity of the Holy Spirit. The one who has, more will be given. And this is the destiny for followers of Jesus, that, that the one who has, you keep coming back to the Lord. God, I need more. And he gives it. God, I need you to help me see again. And he helps you see. God, I need more and more and more. And I think it's so important that we understand that this is the God that we serve. God of the second touch. I'll say this, and we'll take communion. What I love about this story this, is that Jesus and the disciples, man, he is so clear that Jesus is making demarcation between the, the disciples and the crowd. 
But Jesus doesn't just write the crowd off. Jesus will go to the cross for the crowd. And the disciples will spend their lives trying to get the crowd reconciled to the Lord. They weren't okay just seeing. They wanted everyone else to see what they saw. I had a friend in college, and she was not a follower of Jesus. And, and she and I struck up a friendship. And so we would get together, and after class, and we would just talk. I would tell her about the Lord and what I loved about the Lord and why I followed the Lord. And she would tell me all the reasons that she didn't believe and why she wasn't. And, and I remember having this moment where um, we found some common ground where um, I love the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis. And, and I remember talking to her one time, and um, and she's like, oh, I've read that. And I'm like, awesome. Like, isn't it amazing? Like, the way that you see Jesus in Aslan, the, like, the, the way that he just comes through, that when he shows up, things get better. And she's like, oh, it's a, it's a good kid story. And I'm like, what? Like, there's so much in this story. How can you not see it? And I just realized in that moment, man, just like the disciples, <laughs> They couldn't see. And for us, man, when, when we're around our friends and our families and our coworkers that can't see, let's not be okay that we can see and they can't. Let's not be so comfortable, so content. Let's give our lives asking Jesus, please keep knocking on the door of their heart. <laughs> Help them to see. So here's what I want to invite us to do. I want to invite us right now to get up and there's communion at the bar and tables. And I encourage you to go get a piece of bread, a cup of juice, and come back to your seat.